If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Sarah. Sarah's one of our newest solo mums by choice, having Hartley only 12 weeks ago. Sarah had a pretty stressful time getting and staying pregnant, but she's gone on to have a beautiful little boy, and I can't wait for you to hear all about it. So welcome, Sarah, our episode guest tonight. Um, Sarah has actually one of our newest uh, solo mums by choice. She's got a little boy, Hartley. So I guess we kick off with, I'd love to hear your story about what you went through to decide to become a solo mum by choice. Yeah, so it's funny. Looking back, I actually think it was always kind of the plan. Um, I met someone in my 20s, was absolutely besotted. Mm -hmm. um, And for whatever reason, you know, both being young and stupid, didn't work out. Um, And just never, I guess... When I say never bounced back from that, I like I was fine, but never bounced back to the point where I was eager to date again. I was just not interested. Yeah. Um, I also come from a family of my dad was very, very, very controlling to the point where we actually have no contact anymore. Oh wow. Um, and haven't since I was 18. And for me, um, I think there was always a little bit of fear around falling into, you know, what my mum fell into with him and being very controlled and all that sort of stuff. So I think this was always the safe option for right, me, right. Um, which is kind of, yeah, what led me here. Um, in saying that, I had quite a few friends say, well, you know, well, why do you just have a baby on your own? Like in, in like my late 20s. And I was like, don't be ridiculous. What are you <laughs> talking about? Like, that's not a thing. Like Prince Charming will come along. No. no. Um, so, yeah, and it wasn't until I was seeing, I'd moved house. I moved from one side of Melbourne to um, another mm-hmm. and I went to see a new GP um, and was just chatting to her about life and stuff in general. And she's like, well, why don't you just have a baby on your own? I'm like, don't be stupid, Cora. That's not a thing. <laughs> and every appointment she would bring it up. And to the point where she'd end up, she did in the end give up. Um, and then I went and saw her um, what was a couple of years ago now? And I was like, so I need a referral. And she's like, yeah, what for? And I was like, I want to go and see such and such fertility specialist. And she's like, okay. And I still, to this day, whenever we see her, I tell her that it's her fault. Yeah. <laughs> she talked you into it. So, talked me into it. 
now you can thank you for it instead. Um, but yeah, I think it was always probably the path I was going to end up. I very much believe things happen for a reason and how they're meant to. Um, so I think it was always kind of the path I was going on, but that's the, I guess, the logical thought process. Yeah. So there wasn't one trigger moment where you're like, actually, yes, I am going to do this, even though everyone keeps telling me. It was just, like, what was the, the thing um, that made you go, I'm no, going to go see think- the specialist? Yeah, no, I think I, um, I'd kind of given myself until 34, 35 mm-hmm. and I kind of got to, I kind of think what the age was now. I think I was, I think I was in just turned 34 when I kind of started thinking about it. And then some stuff happened with dating and all that sort of stuff. I was still kind of putting my toe in, but it was really, it's like, I, I see this psychic and I've seen her for years and years and years. And she's always said to me, you know, if you really want to, there is a guy there in the cards. And I'm like, oh, no, nah, can't <laughs> be bothered. Um, she's like, every time I read for you, like, he's just there. And I'm like, nah. And then anyway, so I went, start, so I said, all right, well, do the dating, dating thing again. And I did that. I remember saying to her, I said, it's like the universe just parades the most ridiculous options in front of me. <laughs> like there's not one that's like even possibly kind of, sort of, maybe, it's like just what? Yeah. Um, and so I think I went on a little like dating situation and um, saw a couple of people and I was like, I'm just like, no, nah. like just no. Nah. And so I think that was kind of the, the push that I needed. Um, I've tried then, it all. I've exhausted all the options. There is no man. Let's just do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe there, there is, but, you know, maybe not yet. Yeah. Maybe, you know, we're not. Well, for whatever reason we're both not quite there yet mm-hmm. so um yeah so I think that was the the last dating expedition was the probably the, the pinnacle that's the right word um, I think also my family like everyone seemed to have been creeping ahead of me mm-hmm. um I'd had an invitation to my cousin's wedding my other cousin has three children my sister's getting to the point where you know not yet but in the next you know five years I'd be surprised if she didn't have kids and I also found that as you get older, everyone else has children and you're getting left behind. Yeah. Even the guys on the dating sites, they all have kids. And so it's like, well, why don't you have kids? Do you want, obviously you want kids. You're going to want kids straight away. It's like, no, like calm down, buddy. <laughs> um, and I kind of felt like I was getting more and more left behind. So we just kind of all came together at the right time, I guess. Yeah. So she gave you the referral for the specialist and then what happened? Um, we went off and saw Dr. Joe, um, who was amazing. Um, my best friend so happened to be down. My best friend helps me run my helps me run my business. She's my operations manager, and she was actually down for our um, quarterly planning. And I, I did we didn't plan it; just so happened that the quarterly planning day was the same day that we were meeting Joe. So we went. She came with me to the appointment and um, asked a whole bunch of questions. Started, you know. How does it work? What do we do? Blah, 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 blah. Let's talk about my medical stuff. I was always going to have to do IVF. Okay. Um, I think that's the other thing is I, so I didn't have a natural period from realistically probably about 23 until, well, I still don't have natural periods. So really ever. Wow. Um, I'd get the occasional spotting, but that would be it. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of natural stuff trying to fix it. Nothing worked. Um, so we talked through my fertility stuff plus the solo mum by choice stuff with Joe. Um, I walked out of that appointment going, yeah, I'm not sure. And she's like, no, I'm, I think I want to like see a few more specialists. She's like, no, he's it. I was like, okay, then. 
sure. And so I just went with her judgment. Um, and then from there, so that was, when was that? That was the end of, I didn't want to know what the years are anymore. It's newborn life. That was the end of my 34th year. Yeah. Um, we then had my cousin's wedding um, in Vanuatu. So I said, I said to Joseph, look, I'm going to a, you know, overseas wedding. Um, when I get back, let's have another discussion. So had another appointment with him. I am a plus size mum. So there was the discussion of, look, let's try and get some, some weight off. But purely, mm-hmm. And I think you even said, look, I'm not worried about getting you pregnant, but I want you to be a healthy mum and I want you to have a healthy, safe pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and that was the, and I really liked that. And that was one of the things that my friend really liked was the fact that he didn't push weight loss. Um, and he also didn't really question my choice at all as being a sit solo choice by mum. It wasn't, uh, well, do you have the support? Are you sure? What do you do for work? Like it wasn't, there was no, actually no question about it, mm-hmm. which I thought was great. Um, and how did so you yes. find him? Is he based at one of the clinics in Melbourne or is he private? Um, I, actually, I actually found him through my acupuncturist who had been trying to fix my cycles for a number of years. Yeah. Um, I was having discussions with her about sort of this is where I'm probably headed. And the plan was to try and fix my cycles so that, you know, when it did happen, be it with someone or on my own, it would be easier. Yeah. Um, and it just wasn't happening. And she, when we both got to the point where it's like it's probably time to look at more Western options, mainly because I'm also really shit at taking herbs, really bad, <laughs> bad at it. So I think that was also a factor. Yeah. Um, but basically um, we were having conversations. I was deciding between one other and um, and also just, you know, interviewing a whole bunch randomly, one of them quite well-known, um, others just randomly that I'd found. And she recommended him highly, like very highly. Um, I can now see why he was incredible without him. I don't think I would have got pregnant as quickly. And I don't, he was also our obstetrician. I don't, well, you'll hear about my pregnancy, I guess, but my pregnancy was very complicated and very scary at times. And I don't know that Hartley would be here without that support. Um, So yeah, so that's sort of how I found him through her. And then as I said, I went and saw him and I was lucky. I went and saw him before, he became ridiculously popular. So I got in within about a month or so. Um, it's about a six-month-plus wait now. Oh, wow. Okay. The man's Insta-famous now. All right. So we saw him, we had our first appointment, and then you went to Vanuatu mm-hmm. and then came back and then yep. you started treatment. What was that like? Um, it was pretty intense. The treatment for me probably didn't start actually until the following September. So Vanuatu was Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have discussions around losing weight and I saw a health coach and sort of worked on that. It was right in the thick of COVID. Yeah. I was very, very busy with work. Um, we were taking phone calls from clients up until 11 o'clock at night. So um, I kind of put things on, not on pause, but I focused on my health up until, because in my eyes as well, I wasn't going to start until I was 35. So I still had that little bit of time in some ways to get it, get things perfect and get my business right and do that sort of stuff. In other ways, I think I was still sort of maybe kind of looking for an exit. Um, The exit didn't come and I'm so glad for that now. Um, But right up until that last point, it was like, God, am I really, am I really going to do this? Is this really what I want to do? So yeah, so it wasn't until the September, um, we got to the point where I hadn't really lost the weight that we had talked about and the conversation was look you know I don't want to be the gatekeeper to you being a mum what do you want to do and I said okay well let's let's give it another month if I can at least maintain 
um, then we'll get going, which he was happy and supportive with. Um, I saw another couple of um, specialists. So part of the deal was that I'd be under the care of an obstetric surgeon as well as him. So if anything went wrong, she would jump in on my health and he would look after the belly, so to speak. And that was just purely being, um, you know, on the bigger side, There's there are more health risks and it is what it is with blood pressure and things like that. And did he come with someone who was qualified to do that? Like he organised all that for you? That's good, yeah. Yeah, he recommended someone that he works closely under. Um, so, yeah, so we then, um, the September, we started my first IUI stim cycle. So even though I have, don't have periods, so I he was quite happy to sign me off as medically infertile, which would mean that I would get the Medicare rebate for IVF straight away, which a lot of solo mums don't get, which I was very, very lucky. Yeah. Um, we did have the discussion of why, and I remember him saying, and he said it all the way along because my IUIs did not go well. Um and so I kept saying, should we just move to IVF? And he's like, why, why kill a spider with a machete when we can, or, you know, uh, um, uh, oh my God, mum brain, um, uh, well, a, a bomb basically when you can, you know, you can use the fly swatter. And I'm yeah. like, okay, then like, if that's what, and I love that. Like I was never at one at, at any point pushed to IVF. If anything, I was going, should we? And he's like, not yet. Um, and I'm really grateful for that because it gave us actually in my case, three rounds to work out what my body needed. Mm. And I think that is part of why when I got to IVF, it was so quick. Um, so the first round of IUI, it took 50 plus days. So I think close to 55 days of stims A normal stim cycle is 14 days, give or take. Um, mine was 55. And I remember going into the offices at like seven in the morning, like almost in tears going, Joe, like, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to happen for me. And he's like, no, no, it is. It's okay. Like, come on. Like, it's okay. We can do this. I'm like, okay. And so we go and do another scan and he'd be like, okay, yep. There's none, none, still none. And I'm like, are you kidding? And he's like, let's up your dose. And I'm like, okay. And we just kept going. And I remember saying to him, like, you know, how long can we do this for? And he's like, as long as it takes, he goes, realistically, if we don't keep going, we're never going to know what medication your body needs to make eggs. So by and not having a period, did he know why you weren't having a period? Like, was there a medical condition for that or anything? Yeah, he's, he's put it down. He's put it down to PCOS. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, and I have, so I have a very high AMH level. Um, I don't remember what it is, but it's like in the forties, like it's way, way higher than most people my age. Yeah. Um, and that's purely because I just haven't ovulated for years and years and years. They just sit there. Wow. So, but in saying that, it's to also get challenging. Them out. Because, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and the, the, challenge, the challenge is, is that he can't just pump me full of drugs, especially in an IUI, but also in IVF because there's, you know, quality versus quantity and things like that. But I have so many follicles that I'm such a high risk for um, hyperstimulation. Yeah. So it's a really fine line. Um, and in the end, my la- my first IUI, um, I remember going in on the Thursday and he's like, all right, you've got a couple simmering. I'm like, are you kidding? Like it's working. And Finally. Like, yep, it's <laughs> happening. Um, and this was like around, you know, day 50 or so. And I got people messaging me on Instagram um, on my page going, is this the same stim cycle? Like, what do you, what do you, what? And I'm like, yeah, it's the same one. And they're like, my doctor pulled the pin at 14 days. And I'm like, well, and to his credit, he didn't charge me another cent. Like it was just was what it was yeah um and it was scans every sort of second or third day for a very long time I was very sick of getting up early because I work for myself so I can get up whenever I want so yeah. this was not fun 
Um, so yeah, so anyway, long story short, we then got to the Thursday. He's like, all right, there's a few simmering. He goes, if we get two, I'll let you go ahead. I'll let you risk twins. He goes, any more than that, we have to pull the pin. I was like, okay. And I actually walked out of there going, oh my God. So my little niece had been saying to me for probably a good year. She was three at the time, three, yeah, three, just, just turned three. Um, honey, Sarah, when are you, when are you having my twins? (laughs) And then all of a sudden, I know all of a sudden I'm having, um, um, we're, we're possibly going ahead with two eggs and I'm like, okay anyways I went in on the Monday. Uh oh Oh, she's got to be and then well there was no twins so maybe not but anyway I went in on the Monday and um he scanned me and he literally huffed and I was like what he's like you've done what I thought you were going to do you've just popped there's six eggs there we've got to pull the pin oh I'm like 50 days oh that's so frustrating 50 days I was like I just I didn't even know what to say I was like okay and even then I was like, okay, so do we move to IVF? And he's like, no, not yet. Let's try again. And I was like, okay. So we tried again. Did you get a natural, That's, did you get a period after that? Only because I was on medication. So he took me off all the medication and it happened. So the first period in like over 10 years. Wow. Okay. Uh, no. So he'd been giving me, um, I'd been getting little bits and pieces when I was doing the natural stuff and he'd been giving me hormones to basically you know, get a period happening. Yeah. Um, so I'd had a couple um, in the lead up to it. Um, nothing, you know, un- unusual. Like they were pretty standard, to be honest. Um, I was expecting, you know, disaster zones. Yeah. Um, but it actually wasn't too bad. So I was like, okay, I can live with that. Um, I discovered period underwear and I was like, okay, if I'd had this when I was younger, life would have been a different situation. Um, So, yes. So um, we then went again. Um, That was, I'm trying to think of how it all happened. Yeah, we went again. That was, we did get to um, insemination at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, Didn't work. Um, We then went to go, did we hang on? No, sorry. We then were about to go again. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. Maybe, maybe I'm doing something wrong diet wise or what have you. So I went and saw the dietitian that he recommends. Um, and we went through and, you know, she did a whole bunch of testing. She tested my HB1C, which is basically a level of how much sugar is in your blood. Mm-hmm. And it came back as potentially diabetic. Right. So obviously we had, and I, I remember saying to her, like, can we not tell Joe? And she's like, um, no, we have to tell Joe. I'm like, are you sure? She's like, yes. I knew we had to, obviously. Um, so, yeah, so we told him and um, he's like, look, let's test it again. If it comes back above six, we have to pull the pin until you can get it managed. Yeah. If it's over, if it's under six, we'll go ahead. I was like, okay. Um, I think he said if it's six and under, we'll go ahead. Anyway, so we got it again and then he called me. He called me back. We basically found out what it was. And he could call me back. He basically told me what it was. And it was 6.6. I'm like, Joe, it's 0.6. Like, are you kidding? He's like, we have to pull the pin. He's like, it's just not. He goes, this isn't your year. Next year is your year. And I remember him saying, you know, next year, I'm, you know, we're making your baby. Next year, I will be catching your baby. And I was like, okay. Um, anyways, so that was the November, I think. So I had December and most of January off because he was away in the January and I don't like change. So there's no way I was going to start a stim cycle with anyone else. Yeah. Um, so we timed it so that I think I had one scan with one other doctor and then he was back. And so we started in the January. That one we got, I think that one we got two eggs 
as well, or two follicles, I should say. Um, and he let me go ahead. So that one was insemination, um, was a negative. I tested, I'm an over-tester. So I tested and tested and tested and it was very much negative. Um, we then went again, um, again, tested and tested and tested, negative. Yeah. Um, and then at that point we started the conversation about IVF and what we do next. So you'd had three IUI inseminations by that point? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so two of them were paid for. Oh, sorry, no, I had two inseminations, three stim cycles. Right. So technically because one was cancelled, I got my money back for that one, mm-hmm. and then I got the next two. Okay. I did the next two. Um, so, yes, yeah, so then we started talking about IVF and the process around that. Um, in hindsight, as said, they were amazing because he got to learn what my body does um and i'm also really grateful for them because had i got pregnant on one of those i wouldn't have any embryos in the freezer for siblings so it's one of those things it worked out perfectly in the end the process you weren't thinking it at the time (laughs) no i almost threw the towel in a few times um but that's fine we we got there in the end i remember when i went in to do my first round of injections the um the nurse was teaching me what to do and she gave me the needle like all right it's your turn and I just freaked out. Like I froze and I'm like, I, I don't want a baby anymore. It's okay. And I tried to give her back the needle. Um, and she's like, no, no, you do. Come on. And she forced me to do it. And now I have done more needles than, you know, I can count. Um, but at the time I was like, no, I don't need a baby. It's okay. Take the, take it back. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So then we got to the IVF process. Um, it was still a longer cycle than most, but at that point we'd worked out what my body needed um it was a pretty high dose from memory I don't remember what it was but it was a pretty high dose from memory um that he started me on um we as we were going along we had 12 follicles on each side Mm -hmm. so the talk was that I would have basically have my collection freeze all and then do a freeze transfer the next cycle because he was really concerned about hyperstimulation for me um so he was going to basically use different medication that would basically manage the risk around that mm-hmm. um got to the point where as we we're coming up to um collection day the um one of the one of my ovaries just stopped growing or the follicles on that ovary stopped growing so as it was we ended up with 12 um mature or growing follicles which is the ideal number of what he wanted yeah um I don't have a lot of friends in, well, I have friends in Melbourne, but not a lot of really, really close friends in Melbourne and family here. So I was really lucky. Another um, beautiful IVF um, lady, she actually came and stayed the night and took me um, to my collection. So we went to my collection. It actually ended up, so normally my doctor does his collections at Epworth at the day hospital, which is where a lot of people get their collections done. Um, I was one point over BMI wise to be able to have my collection there. So I had to go to Royal Women's. So as it was, and it's funny, I've actually made friends with people on Instagram now that Joe bumped their appointments that day to be able to come to Royal Women's to do my collection. Because I remember the, the nurse saying, oh, you're going to have to go to Royal Women's. And I was like, wait, does that mean no Joe? And she's like, oh, I don't know. Anyways, as he was walking past, she grabbed him and he's like, no, no, no. He's like, it's okay. We're working it out. It'll be me. I'm coming. I'll, I'll drive over for the, the, the surgery. I'm like, oh, thank God. And then afterwards I was talking to, um, I was talking to two girls and they're like, oh, are you having your collection at Royal Women's? And I was like, yes. Why? They're like, oh, you're who, you're the person that's um, 
Joe bumped my appointment so that you, he could come over. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. They're like, no, 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 no. We're really happy. It's okay. Yeah. I was like, oh, I feel so bad. Um, but yeah, so had my collection. It was really quite smooth. Um, it was funny because he hadn't been over there for so long. It was like being walked in with a celebrity. It was hilarious. Um, the, the, the team over there were amazing. Um, I had ended up getting, I'm trying to think now, I had 11 mature eggs. Yeah. Um, ended up with eight fertilizing mm-hmm. and we ended up with five embryos. Right. So we've got four in the freezer and somehow very luckily the first one was a little hardly. So you didn't end up having to wait and do a frozen. You did a fresh cycle, fresh transfer. No. So yeah. So because the other ovary stopped producing, um, we ended up with just 12 and 12. I've been told, told that 12 is kind of like the number the max number they kind of want to balance number versus quantity. I don't know. Every doctor's different, but that's kind of the discussion that we had. And any more than that would have been, you know, too high a risk for hyperstimulation. But because of that, at the very last minute, we changed to a fresh transfer. And yeah, luckily we did. So in terms of donor selection, given that you did IUI and IVF, could you use the same donor or did you just select two different ones or what did you do for that process? Well, so my donor was an IUI and an IVF donor. Technically, you're meant to change. I called the donor team and have, had a discussion with them. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason why I was allowed to keep him was, was ethnicity. My ethnicity, so my dad's side of the family is Italian. Yeah. And this donor is from Italy as well. So whilst I don't have, uh, you know, strong connections to my dad's side of the family, um, I was able to have the discussion of, well, you know, it, it keeps sort of family ties sort of close and, you know, psychologically will probably be better for the child than having to change. So I had a very big discussion with them about that. Um, I was also aware of someone else that had been approved under those guidelines. Yeah. So in the end, I used the it's not fair argument <laughs> and they approved me. <laughs> she was umming and ahhing and umming and ahhing and I was like, so... I actually am aware of, um, first of all, you know, this guy is marked as IVF. So obviously he's been used for IVF before. And also someone I know was approved on cultural grounds um, or no, on ethnicity grounds. So if they're approved and it's within a reasonable time frame, why can't I be? And she's like, oh, well, you know, and I'm like, it's really not fair. And she's like, all right, Sarah, I'll approve you. I was like, thank you. <laughs> So was that quite a process to to choose your donor or because you wanted that um, um, ethnicity side of it, there wouldn't have been as many options? No, so for me, like that was a, a happy accident. And actually, funnily enough, I went in not wanting that ethnicity. I don't have very good memories of my dad. So it was actually the one I didn't want mm-hmm. or one of the ones that, when I say one of the ones I didn't want, I wanted something, someone that was quite similar to myself so that, you know, I was reading that, psychologically that can be better for the child um to sort of then not have as many questions about well you know why am I different to mummy and all that sort of stuff um so yeah so it ended up my requirements were educated as in higher education Mm -hmm. I wanted either sporty or artistic or something along those lines so you know the ability to sort of you know push themselves past just day-to-day life Mm-hmm. I really wanted tall every guy I've ever dated has been tall and I kind of thought well if I end up with someone in the future chances are he's going to be tall if we then have children etc cetera, etc cetera. um so I went with tall 
And then that was about it. That were my, my main requirements. When I logged into the portal that you log into, um, there was a bunch of one, bunch of them with photos, um, toddler photos. So I then added that requirement of they had to have a photo. Um, so I went through, basically took everyone out that was under six foot, took everyone out that didn't have a photo, and then chose from there. And there was two. Um, they One was a nurse practitioner. One was a software engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up, I was leaning towards the nurse practitioner because both my mum and my sisters are nurses and I thought that would be nice. Yeah. Um, but his letter to the, to the child, so they write a letter to the, to the baby, which is really sweet. Um, and his letter just didn't really click with me. It was very much about, I hope one day, you know, you come and find me and I really want to meet you one day. And it just felt a little bit too much. Um, I'm all for Hartley meeting his donor if and when he wants to and, and dibblings and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I want it to be his choice. I want it to be genuinely coming from him, not because he's read this person's letter and then that's planted the seed in his head of I should be meeting this person. So that kind of put a, I guess, a little red flag for me. Um, the other guy's letter was just beautiful. It was about where he's from and um, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, if you want to know where you're from, you know, speak to your mother and all that sort of stuff. So and I really loved that. Um, and also his toddler photo probably looked the most like me when I was a toddler. Um, so that helped um, because there was only two. And the one that I actually did chose, I was his last allocation. So in Victoria, they can only donate to 10 families. So because of that, I was his last choice. I had to kind of decide pretty quickly. Um, I was going to have a, you know, a choose a donor party and do all that fun stuff. But again, the thick of COVID wasn't going to happen. I don't have anyone at your house. So what's the point? Exactly. (laughs) I was just sitting at home looking at the walls. Um, So yes, I remember going back and forth and talking to my sister and talking to mum about it and then going and literally driving myself crazy over which one. And I think I called mum at three in the morning going, I can't decide what if, what, if, what am I going to do? And she's like, go to sleep. You'll know in the morning. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So I went to sleep and I woke up in the morning and I was like, yeah, it's this one. Yeah. And I knew yeah. it wasn't, a, it was like, it's weird. It's like they, people say, you know, when you meet the person that you're going to be with, obviously not going to be with this person. Um, but I just knew like, it was that real intense, like, this is it. There's no question. Um, and then I think when they did tell me that I, when there was discussions of possibly having to change donors, it was quite a feeling of grief. Like it was, I'd already created this child in my head. Like it was really weird. Um, so I, I think that's what then pushed me to fight not to say that they're going to approve everyone if everyone hears this and goes, oh, I'm going to have that discussion. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, who knows what the rulings are, you know, when different people go in. But I was very lucky. I am um, I was very lucky because he was on both lists. Mm. Had he been only on the IUI list, there, there would have been no discussion. Um, but he was marked as both. So I was, I was lucky in that sense. My guess is that, so my understanding is it depends on the quality as to which one. They, they keep the better quality for IUI. Yeah. Um, and my guess is they just had a couple of couple of vials that were right for IVF. So I was able to have that argument. And I think also because it, I was his last allocation, um, there was maybe a little bit more flexibility there as opposed to someone that, you know, there's another three or four families to go. Um, I think that kind of helped over the line. And also, you know, I'm very much a believer everything happens for a reason and Hartley was meant to be the little person that he is. Yeah. And had he had different, different donor, it would have been different genetics and all that sort of stuff. So. It worked out. Cool. 
So I know you're an over-tester. So how soon after you <laughs> had the transfer did you know that you were successful? Um, I wasn't, it wasn't actually too bad. It was actually, it's actually funny. The night, so he's had a nursery from when I started the IVFs, sorry, the IUIs. Mm -hmm. And the night I came home from my collection, I remember walking past his bedroom and the light was on. The light in that room was never on. And I was like, I think this worked. But then I was like, no, you're crazy. Like that means nothing, Sarah, turn the light off and go to bed. Yeah. And then, so I think I lasted till day, so five days post five day transfer. Yeah. And then I tested and I wouldn't have tested except that I had to go to the doctor. I had to go to the chemist to get something. And they were just sitting there looking at me and I just couldn't <laughs> help <were>. myself. <laughs> of course they were. I walked to the lot, to the to that aisle. Of course they were there. Um, but yeah, so, and I ended up getting them and it was a really, really faint positive, but it was a positive on three tests. You didn't do just one. You did three. Oh no, of course not. I did three. Um, I have a draw, whole draw full um so my sister still has the screenshot I ended up video calling her and then she's a nurse so I'm like so would the trigger be out of my system and we're like calculating and she's like yeah I think so and so at that point we're like mm, okay I then rang my best friend and she yelled at me she's like you weren't gonna test it blah 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 blah, blah. and so then we had the big discussion like you just ruined it for me and she's like well I'm just worried so in the end I then tested again the next day and I then decided, look, I've already tested. I may as well just keep testing at this point. Um, and I'm glad I did because I actually ended up um, the day before my blood test, I started getting a little bit of spotting. And yeah. because I had tested and it had got to the point where it was getting stronger, they actually brought me in to do my test earlier. And it was positive, but the numbers weren't great. Um, mm -hmm. My progesterone was quite low, as was my HCG. Um, and so Joe was able to come, he got me to come straight in and he gave me, um, the nurse gave me a shot of progesterone right. and we added, um, I guess more medication to be able to keep it strong. Now, who knows, like it might've stuck without that, or maybe that's what I needed. So in hindsight, um, you know, and I'd never seen a positive test before, so it was kind of fun. <laughs> and now you've seen like 50 of them. <laughs> Pretty much. So we got the wonderful news that it was successful. And then you said the pregnancy was not as straightforward as you would have liked it to be. So, no. So the the first thirteen weeks were okay. Um, I then decided that I needed a new car before the baby came. Um, so I was out car shopping, and I had and look, I was a, I was a nervous Nelly. I was having weekly scans because I was just I couldn't accept that it was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. um, I've been told for most of my twenties that I may never have children. So now to be at this point, I, you know was beside myself a lot of the time um, and I was quite sick. I had quite um, bad morning sickness. Yeah. Um, and then I was out sh car shopping and I had started to get like a bit crampy and everyone had said cramps were normal. So I was like, it's okay. It's normal. It'll be fine. Um, and then it just kept going and it was persistent for about two hours. And I was like, mm, this isn't right. So I ended up calling Joe's rooms and I told the girls, look, I'm getting cramping. I know it's normal. I'm probably being ridiculous but it's been persistent for two hours now. I'm getting a bit nervous, a bit concerned. And they're like, yep, we would like to see, um, Joel want to see you. We'll see you in an hour. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and at that point I started to worry. I was like, this isn't going to happen. So I got in there, Joe, he wasn't so much checking the baby. He did check the baby, but that wasn't his concern. He was concerned with my cervix. Yeah. And at that point it had started to reduce. Um, it wasn't overly short at that point, but it had reduced. Um, and so he upped my progesterone. I said, look, let's just keep an eye on it. 
which we did. Um, we then, um, I think it was about 17 weeks that we then did another check and it had reduced further. And he's like, all right, like, not, you know, let's just see where this goes, but, you know, keep up your progesterone. Like, I think it's going to be fine for now. It's not dangerous, but it is short. I was like, okay. Um, everything else was going fine. The baby was fine. Um, at that point, I'd started to feel a bit better, um, which is good. And then I went in for my 20-week scan, which, which ended up being 21 weeks. And they did the scan. Everything was fine. I'd convinced myself he was going to have no kidneys. was sure of it. There was no kidneys no with his reason. baby. There was no reason at all. But that's what I decided. Right. I think I'd read an article that someone's baby had no kidneys and that's what was going to happen. Um, so um, I actually said that to the sonographer. I'm like, I don't think he has any kidneys. Can you please check that first? She's like, okay, is there a reason? And I'm like, no, I've just, I'm, just I'm a little bit crazy, but you know, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, I go, I go quite nuts when I'm pregnant. I just can't. My sister's like, can you just enjoy it? And I'm like, no, I cannot, not at all. Um, I remember going in for the transfer, saying to my best friend, "There's no point doing this. I'm not going to have a baby out of it anyway." She's like, just go and get the transfer. I yeah, so we went in for the scan. Everything was fine with the baby. He had kidneys. We can all relax. Good, Still good. has kidneys to this day. Um. And then they checked me. She's like, oh, we should probably just check your cervix. There's a note there that it's been a bit short. And she checked it and she measured it and she measured it again and she checked it again and then she went really quiet. And she's like, look, it's really short. It's now dangerously short. She's like, I cannot let you go home until I've spoken to Joe." Okay. And so I was put in the scary room, the quiet, you know, room on your own while, you know, where they're going to give you bad news. And I remember I'd actually had an argument with, um a friend who was no longer a friend but a friend at the time and I remember ringing her saying something really bad is happening can you please not be mad at me right now and she's like what like what's going on and so anyway so they got hold of Joe I obviously told her what was going on um we got they got hold of Joe and he's like all right go home tell her I'll call her at four o'clock anyway so he called me at four o'clock and he's the most chilled doctor you could ever meet ever and he looked he looked worried and I was like okay Joe just like be honest are you worried he's like yes I am worried I was like okay this is a problem um so basically the conversation was I needed a stitch and I needed to um basically needed a stitch immediately there was no he's like you need to go in for a stitch the problem is I'm on COVID lockdown until Monday and you cannot wait till Monday and so this is the person that basically told him that I was going to have to be having an earlier birth date if he was going away. There was no discussion of anyone else doing my surgery. Yeah. Um, and now he's telling me that he's not doing my surgery. I was beside myself. I didn't know what, what to think. And I'm sure there are other amazing doctors out there, but this is the person I'd put my trust in. And now I was like, it was going wrong and it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't ideal. Anyway, so he organized someone else to do the surgery. Everything was fine. I'd kind of accepted that, got on with it. Um, on the Wednesday, I was driving in. Um, also, on the Tuesday, I was driving in to meet with this other doctor. Yeah. And I got a phone call from Joe's rooms. And I was just talking to them, like, oh, I'm going to see Dr. Such and Such in a minute. They're like, why are you going to see him? And I was like, to Isn't organize my stitch. Yeah. Yeah, I was told to. And they're like, oh, no, Joe's organized it. He can do, he can do your surgery. I was like, what? And they're like, yep. And then, so I went straight in. I could have almost hugged the guy. I was so happy. I was like, oh my God, I can relax now. Um, and I remember he was going through all the risks and he's like, one of the risks was that um, if he basically, if, if the borders were bulging too much 
and the waters were popped. There was nothing he could do. We were having a baby that day and the outcomes probably weren't good. Yeah. And I remember saying to him, okay, but have you ever had that problem? He's like, no. And I, in my head, I'm like, oh, thank God he's back. Yeah. Um, anyway, so um, organised the surgery for the next day. Um, went in, did the surgery. It went fine. It was a, um, I had a spinal block for the surgery. Um, did all, that was probably the worst bit of the whole thing. Yeah. I was in hospital overnight, um, came home the next day, was given, you know, the, the rules that this happens, this happens, this happens, you need to ring us, if this happens, this happens, do this. Um, was basically told sensible rest. So luckily I worked for myself um, and I actually have a chronic illness. So I, you know, very used to bed rest. Yeah. So I um, basically just worked from bed and just got on with it. I then went back in to see him at 23 weeks. We mm-hmm. had another scan and it had shortened further. So at that point it was proper bed rest, not moving until baby was out basically. Like I was allowed to get up, go to the toilet, make food. That was the extent of it. Wow. Um, that was so basically until 32 weeks. So 32 weeks, um, you can, up until 32 weeks, I would have had to have gone to a different hospital. Um, after 32 weeks, I can come back to Epworth. So I was booked in at Royal Women's and Epworth up until 32 weeks. I had Is that 10 just weeks like, of. Like for the NICU, if he was born that early. Yeah, pretty much. Um, they only have special care at Epworth, which is where he ended up. Um, NICU is at, is at Royal Women's. Yeah. Um, I was very lucky. One of the girls that follows my Instagram page actually is one of the managers at the NICU at the Royal Women's. So um, I remember messaging her going, if you get a baby, this is his name. If this baby turns up, it's mine. Please make sure he's okay. No. Obviously, she's going to do that anyway. But yeah. I was, yeah, amazing people on Instagram who are, you know, so supportive and beautiful. I had people that I'd never met before, um, you know, delivering me food and sending me Uber Uber vouchers and it was just beautiful. Mm. The single mum by choice in the IVF community are just next level amazing. Mm. Um, So, yeah, so I then was on bed rest, 32 weeks came. um, We organised my baby shower. I was in and out of hospital a little bit in that time. Um, there was one day there where I was actually showing contractions on the monitor um, yeah. the week before my baby shower. So I think I was 31 weeks. Um, and at that point, Joe's like, mm, no, nah, we're going to do some steroids just to be careful. So we did, did a shot of steroids. Um, I then went home. My best, my two really close friends arrived from Sydney. We had my baby shower. It was amazing. Um, I was getting a bit crampy on that day. And one of my really close friends is like, oh, maybe I'm going to be here when he's born. And I was like, let's not get too excited. Like it's only 32 weeks. Please relax. Um, I'd accepted that he was going to be born early anyway. So it wasn't too bad at that point. But I was like, well, maybe not today. Um, They all went home. I then came off bed rest at 32 32 weeks sorry I was off bed rest at that point because it was past 32 weeks and I remember you know pottering around and doing a little bit more doing his nursery you know going and buying the last few blankets and stuff like that and then 34 weeks came and I remember the whole pregnancy I was like 30 like just let's just get to 34 weeks come on like you can do it just 34 weeks and he came on he came 34 weeks in one day I probably should have said 37 weeks but in hindsight next time Next, next time we'll tell the baby 37. Um, so, yes, yeah, so he was born 34 weeks in one day. Um, so definitely prem, very tiny. 
um, but really healthy, oddly healthy. Everyone was quite, everyone's looking at me, is, is he Prem? And I was like, yes, he's very much Prem, um, but you wouldn't have known it. He was amazing. And did you have cesarean or I don't want to say natural, I hate no. that term. I know. Um, I, so vaginal I was, birth. <laughs> vaginal birth. I was going to be a planned cesarean. So I used to be a doula. So everyone assumed that I would be all natural home birth and all that side of things. Um, I decided I wanted a plan Caesar and it was a plan Caesar from before the embryo even went in yeah. um, for many reasons. One is my sister's in Queensland. Two is I didn't want an induction. Like there was lots of reasons and lots of thought through it. It wasn't an uneducated choice. It was very mm-hmm. much an educated choice. And Joe was very supportive of that. Um, I then, when I got to the hospital, they took the stitch out and they did a, um, uh, check and I was already three centimeters dilated. Um, the doctor, so Joe wasn't there until later on that evening. The doctor that um, did my check, um, he's like, Why are you a C section? I was like, Because I want one. Like, <laughs> how dare you question me? Yeah. Um, and he's like, You realize that this baby's going to special care and you're not staying with it the whole time. He's like, You're gonna have to drive to and from. He's like, You're a single mum. And I was like, yeah, and? And he's like, you, you can't, can't drive, drive in the C-section. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I was like, and my sister's not meant to be here till January, and it all just clicked in my head. And he's like, you can do this. He goes, with the shape of your body and the size of this baby, he's like, you can do this. I was like, all right, let's give it a go. We'll give it a go until Joe gets here. Knowing full well that if I said to Joe, I'm done, take me to theatre, he would do it. Yeah um and so we gave it a go and it ended up being an hour and three minute established labor by the time joe got there i was screaming for them to help me please help me why won't you help me no one's helping me i was beside myself um the epidural didn't even have time to kick in um and yeah i was on video call for half of it with my sister who could we couldn't get her into the state because of um there was not enough flights yeah so it ended up being me my doula and a midwife and then eventually joe um my doula was amazing I don't like people fussing over me and she really respected that and I couldn't have done it without her she's incredible um I wasn't going to have a doula and I'm so so glad I had her um and yeah an hour and three minutes three it was like three or four pushes and he was out yeah and he went to special care how long was he in there for like did obviously Um, he was quite early did he have any complications or anything you had to be concerned about no so they they pretty much took him away straight away so um some that's the one thing I regret I guess I didn't push for him to stay with me a little bit longer in the delivery suite Mm -hmm. but they took him away he was in an incubator um or the humidity crib or whatever they call them these days um for I guess the first 12 hours yeah. um, and just like regulating his temperature and all that sort of stuff. Um, I ended up having um, diabetes. So it seems to have gone away. So we're not quite sure what happened. They're sort of treating it as gestational diabetes, even though I had it pre-pregnancy. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so they take test all these sugars. They were all perfect. Um, generally speaking, babies don't learn to suck in utero until about 36 weeks. So he needed to be tube fed for his first, you know, week and a half, two weeks. And then we started to transition him over to bottles and uh, the occasional boob and all that sort of stuff. But other than that, he was perfectly fine. He was just tiny. And that was all at Epworth? He didn't have to move to Royal? That was all at Epworth, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, So he stayed at Epworth the whole time. So I ended up coming home after the usual five days. Um, Actually, it was six days because I had some um, chest pain the night before I was meant to go home, looking back, I think I had a panic attack, but 
it presented as chest pain. Um, just the thought of leaving him and, you know, going home without him was really hard. Um, so, you know, coming home to that empty bassinet, not knowing when he was coming home just really got me. Um, so, yes, yeah, so as it was, um, I had six nights in hospital um, and then he stayed in and for another, so he was in there for about two and a half weeks. He came home the day after Boxing Day. And now he's been home ever since. And is there any signs or anything that he was prim or he's just absolutely fine? He's absolutely fine. He still, so he's, what is he now? He's 12 weeks, six weeks corrected. So in some ways he's very much a six week old. Um, you know, you can still wrap him and put him down. He puts himself to sleep and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Whether or not that's him or whether or not that's his prematurity, I guess we'll never know. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still very small. Like we caught up with a mother's group today and he's the, he was the first born and he's still the tiniest out of all of them. We've only just put his five zeros away um, and he's 12 weeks. <laughs> um, but aside from that, no, he's fine. So we still have regular pediatrician appointments um, three monthly for the first year. Um, he's got a bit of a dairy allergy, which can be, you know, immature gut and things like that. But lots of babies have that. So he's fine. The biggest, I guess, impact his prematurity had is, A, he was stuck in hospital for a bit longer and it totally destroyed breastfeeding. That has not happened for us. I'm still expressing. I get about 100 mils a day. So one bottle a day over about six pumps. So... Yeah, had it had it not be for, been for COVID, I probably would have given up by now. That and both my beautiful cousins can breastfeed and I'm very competitive and it annoyed me. So I decided that I was going to keep going come hell or high Find a way. Find a way. Um, and look, I'm glad that I did. It's, you know, I've done 12 weeks of, you know, at least he's had some immunities and all that sort of stuff. Um, whether or not we keep going, stay tuned. So he's only 12 weeks old now, but have you thought about whether you'd have another one? Because I know originally you'd said that you wanted, you were glad that you had embryos in the freezer. So do you think you will want to go through this again? I'm already booked in for next January. Right. Yes. Are you nervous about the pregnancy or has Joe already got quite a good plan of how he can support? Is, your, I'm guessing you've probably got incompetent cervix because I know that's what mine was called. Yes. This is such a great yes. term. I know. They're such mean names. They could call it something else, surely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was incompetent cervix. So basically, um, he, Joe has said, chances are it will happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be, so as soon as we have the NIP test done and it's a viable, healthy pregnancy, we'll be going straight to surgery. Um, and we already have a plan around that. I'm really lucky. I have um, support. So we've got a nanny that comes and helps um, three days a week. Mm-hmm. So the plan is she'll have Hartley. Mummy will go to, to hospital and get Bubba stitched in and Hope like hell that we don't end up on bed rest again. Yeah, that's probably the biggest risk, isn't it? Because that will be pretty challenging with a toddler. It yeah. will, yes. Um, but I just figure I've, the embryos are there. I can't not, if I didn't have them there, it's not so much about the embryos. It's about whether or not I can give him a sibling. And they're there in the freezer. Yeah. Um, you know, there's four of them. I'm not going to have four more. Um, however, you know, give it a go. See what happens. So if you look back now on your on your journey, is there anything that you think you'd do differently knowing what you know now? In some ways, I want to say I wish I'd done it sooner, but I don't think I was ready. Mm-hmm. Um, both in, in numerous ways, both emotionally, but also financially. You know, I'm very lucky I own my own business. So I've been able to plan to be able to have a nanny come help us a couple of days a week and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I don't think I would have been ready but I also wish I'd done it sooner because he's amazing. Yeah. So it's, yeah, that it's, it's kind of that 
quandary of I wasn't ready, but if I'd done it sooner, you know, I would have had him sooner. So that's the only other thing I would say. But no, not really. I think um, I would have liked to have probably got a little bit more weight off purely because I think I would have been more comfortable throughout pregnancy, Mm -hmm. um, been a little bit more healthier, but it's had no effect on him. So no, probably not. And so anybody who is considering this journey or kind of on the fence, any advice for them? First thing would be just do it. Um, There's honestly no downfall at all. Um, The other side of it is um, more so once Bub is here is making sure you do have that that support, Um, whether it be family support, a friend, you know, like, our nanny at the moment is out there with him. That's why I've been able to talk to you freely. Um, she's making me dinner and then I'm having a bath and this is her fortnight to stay over. So once every two weeks yeah. she stays over and I just get one night with no bassinet in my room just to be me. Um, so having and having that, you know, that support, I think, has made the world of good. Um, the other thing is gadgets are your friend. I've got told <laughs> so by so many people, you don't need that. You don't need the docker tot. You don't, you need it. in my opinion the more you can do it without it you absolutely don't need it but um the things that make it easier so for example we started out with just basic bottles um Mm -hmm. i've now moved him to glass bottles everyone's like oh is that an environmental thing like no glass is easier to clean and it means that i get to bed quicker yeah um you know things like you know having a uh, you know, I've got two rockers. There's, you know, the nice fancy one in the in the lounge room and I've got a really basic $50 one that lives in the bathroom. So if I need to wee in the morning before we go and make his bottle and his grizzly, I can just put him down for two seconds. I'm there with him and, you know, it, it's easier. So I think, um, yeah, gadgets are your friend. <laughs> Love it. Is there anything else you want to say to anybody else listening? No, other, other than the fact that I'd probably say there's more support out there than you realise. I have not had one person be negative about what I've done. Not one. Even people that I was certain were going to have an issue with it. Not one person. And that's so wonderful to hear. There's not many people I know that have actually had any negativity. I think you go into it with no. an idea that people have an opinion, but most people are just in yeah. awe of the fact that you've been brave enough to do it and go through with it. And they wish, yeah. a lot of people wish they had the balls to do it. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's the best thing I've ever done. It's hard. There are some days where I'm like, what the hell did I do? This kid will not stop crying, but he's gorgeous. And it's the, it's the best thing I ever did. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I can't wait for people to hear your episode. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Alicia, and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.